0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Wernie, and joining me on the line, as always, is ethan 70 Sachs. How does it feel to have 7 0 your first run of the Arena Open? It
1: felt great. So this is our, our, our day one run, just to clarify for listeners. We haven't played day two yet. It's the morning of Sunday of day two, so we don't don't know what the results will be yet. But uh, it felt really good, to be honest, especially after last time. It took me five runs to get seven <laughs> wins. So I felt like we we swapped roles a little bit You know, last time, and it only took you two shots. And then I was you know struggling in the queues for about I don't know, six hours, seven hours, all told. And then yesterday morning, just hopped on at 9, was done by about 10, 15. And then I got to, you know, I had a coaching session and then I just hung around in the discord for about, you know, two, three hours building a ton of sealed pools, um, which was exhausting. But I also felt like I got really, really good at it. I was like super fast. I was like, all right, check the rares, check the lessons, check the fixing. (laughs) Like, let's pump these out. I was trying to keep up with like how fast they were coming in through the sealed build, which I eventually realized was insane and impossible to do. But uh, it was it was a fun day. Yeah. And you guys there
0: i got there as well yeah uh took me four tries but uh, i i did three fairly quickly in the morning unsuccessfully and then was tilted and i took a four or five hour break and came back in the evening and promptly queued on my first try after i had a clear head
1: so it sounds like you also missed all of the arena buffering shenanigans
0: that was also a big reason why i stopped when i stopped because it was starting to get pretty atrocious and that was also tilting me more and it was pretty good by the time i came back around eight in the evening or whatever I don't think there's anything that's
1: like more salt in the wound when you're tilted than slow play or the program crashing or lagging. So yeah, I think definitely stepping away at that point was a good call. Yep. And you you peaked, right? I we talked a little bit before the show. I asked Ben. I was like, "Did you peak?" cuz I know we both registered for the event before starting recording, and he said, "I think I might have the nuts." I yeah, I think so. Maybe. I don't know. It just peaked, but I have Dramatic Finale
0: and Sparring regimen, and it looks like I have the black-white cards to support them with a very aggressive
1: black-white aggro deck, and I think black-white aggro is pretty darn good in Sealed. I think that's what you want to do, especially if you get the, the learn stuff, because then you also just have inherent card draw in your aggro deck, which is gas.
0: Yeah, I haven't gone that deep. I don't know what my lesson learned stuff is. I just looked at my rares and how deep I thought colors were. And it looks like other colors are deep, too. So I think I'm going to be able to make a playable pool.
1: Yeah, and that's good if your other colors are deep, because now we're doing best of three. So you can do the old deck swaps, right? Ooh, nice. Yeah, I was trying to look for a second deck. I know my red is very, very deep. That's where like five of my rares are. So that's good. And then it's just going to be about... Figuring out which color to pair that with, and I think I've got the the learn lesson stuff to splash. I did win the environmental sciences lottery, so I'm I'm hopeful that I've got a a, a competitive pool. All right, so we, y'all y'all will know by the time this episode is out what the results were for us, but uh, and hopefully for a lot of you out there, you will be cashing today as well. I got to say, Ben, I mean we said this last time, but honestly, probably more. I mean the money is good, but probably more than winning the money all of the people tagging us on Twitter and discord being like, I made day two. And I'm sure we'll get some of that today when people cash. And it was because of the content you guys put out. That is the reason we do the thing,
0: you know? Yeah, I agree. It's awesome to give someone feedback and then have them do well. It's like, whatever. I mean, it's same thing as being a teacher watching your student have a light bulb moment or have success after you feel involved. And that is a great feeling.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. So, you know, we did all our sealed prep last week on the show. So that's out of the way. So this week, We thought it would be a good idea to dive really deep into what I think is the headliner mechanic and the most interesting part of Strixhaven, which is learn lesson. And so we're going to just really dive super, super deep into What makes this mechanic so powerful? How we're evaluating it in terms of drafting, in terms of deck building, in terms of gameplay? I think one of the most complex things, you said this to me a couple weeks ago, probably one of the most difficult things in this format is knowing what lesson to grab when.
0: Yeah, it's very, very difficult. And if you make the wrong choice, it can have significant game impacts.
1: Yeah, I've definitely been like sitting with, I don't know, intro to annihilation in my hand. And I'm like, man, I wish this was an expanded anatomy so I could punch through this last little bit of damage or whatever, or enable an attack. And that just rolls back three or four turns when I didn't know what lesson to grab. That's really like when you're, when you're at sea there, when you do your turn to learn and you're like, I don't know what the... The makeup of this game is going to be at all. I don't know what I'm supposed to grab here. Am I supposed to be conservative? Am I supposed to grab something late game? So we're going to hopefully have some really good conversations around that and illuminate as much of that as we possibly can. But before we get into that, just a few housekeeping things as usual. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. The show will always be free. We talked about uh, a little bit already. The Discord hopping and popping, especially during the Arena Open. My goodness, those sealed pools were coming fast and loose yesterday, trying to get uh, those deck techs in. People trying to figure out, you know, what are the cuts? What Do I have a different build than this? Whatever. Blow my mind with this off-college color pair, if you want. Um, so a lot of really awesome stuff happening in the Discord. It really is just a, a fantastic community. We had a, a couple of real troopers in there just trying to be in the trenches all day helping people out and we really appreciate that as well Um, a lot of other good stuff happening in the Patreon as well access to our show notes in anticipation of the show access to all of our draft and sealed logs if you want those to get a a sense of what Ben and I are winning with or sometimes not winning with Uh, a a lot of really good stuff happening (laughs) I'm I'm in that cycle right now (laughs) Uh, so we got a lot of good stuff happening in the Patreon so check that out and of course each and every week we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join so this week we are welcoming Pedro, Marcus Eduardo, Jesse, Jory, Jose, Charles, Jeremy, McCall, Scott, John, Alex, Elliot, Oak Tree, Matthew, Iron Gills, Ian, Matt, and Jeff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Professor Oak
0: Tree chilling in there. I have a question for you. Did you play Pokemon Snap back in the day? New Pokemon Snap's out. No,
1: I did not play Pokemon Snap back in the day. That's so sorry. Great game. I was just look, Ben, like I am now. And as I was, then I was just magic through and through no time for other games. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to all our patrons show is also brought to you in
0: part by channel fireball channelfireball.com best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. We've got some sweet sets that spoilers are starting to trickle out for the uh, Forgotten Realms, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the D&D set, as well as Modern Horizons 2. So I'm sure Channel Fireball will be selling pre-orders for those in bulk product and putting out a boatload of great strategy content. Anything on CFB Pro, you know, if that helped you get ready for the Arena Open or if you're wanting more resources to help you prepare for events like the Arena Open or just to get better at draft in general, there's tons of fantastic content on CFB Pro. It's very reasonable to sign up. You can do $9.99 and then get that back in store credit or sign up for $4.99 a month. And whenever you do anything over at Channel Fireball, make sure you use code L-O-L, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there, and we would really appreciate you doing that.
1: All right, so we haven't done this in a, a while. It feels like we did Sealed last week. Let's let's dive into a roundtable here, Ben. I've got a pretty spicy draft log for you. Yeah, let's take a look. All right, so pack one, pick one. We don't have the data saved Um The choice that we made here is Devouring Tendrils. This is one in the green for the sorcery. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. When the permanent you don't control dies this turn, you gain two life. Now, this is... Maybe, you know, this is a fine pack one, pick one. But I do remember the texture of this pack quite a bit. And it was very heavy lore hold. So our rare was Blade Historian, the quad red-white hybrid. Two, three, all of your attackers gain double strike. There was a Guiding Voice, a Study Break, a Heated Debate. I feel like something else as well. And so my feeling was, yeah, like maybe Heated Debate is better. But Devouring Tendrils isn't that much worse. And I felt like it was probably okay to just ship a bunch of red and white and take the tendrils here and try and and send those signals and avoid getting into that. What do you think about that? I
0: think I would take heated debate from what you described. Even still, I think it's enough better than devouring tendrils. And I'd rather be red than green, but it's close. And I think if you had a good rationale for it, I I support your devouring tendrils. I trust you. Mr. Quandrix himself would rather be red than green the quandrix has been tough to get into these days and the mm. problem with starting with a green card when you're quandrix is that you're towing the line between quandrix and witherbloom which is not
1: a line i want to toe like i want to get into my quandrix being heavy blue interesting okay that makes sense all right so we grab tendrils here for better or worse moving on to pack one pick two you see the following cards as options in terms of commons we've got a lesson expanded anatomy three mana put two plus plus one counters on target creature it gains vigilance until end of turn and I think the only other common worth speaking of is Baryan Books, the the man, the myth, the legend himself, four in a blue for an instant. The spell costs two less to cast if it targets an attacking creature, put target creature into its owner's library, second from the top. I had the joy the other day of having two Spectacle Mages in play and casting this for a single blue. Ooh, nice. That was just... The tastiest thing ever. Uh, Some really good uncommons here. Returned Past Caller, uh, three red-white and a red-white hybrid for a 4-2 flyer. When it ETBs, return target spirit, instant, or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Mortality Spear, two black-green instant, costs two less to cast if you gained life this turn. Destroy target non-land permanent. There's an Eliminate, one and a black instant. Destroy target creature or planeswalker with mana value three or less. And a card I've been... More impressed with in sealed for sure. Still not crazy about in draft. Brackish Trudge two in a black four two ETB's tapped and you can pay one in a black to return it from your graveyard to your hand if you gained life this turn.
0: Yeah, I've also liked Brackish Trudge more in sealed as well. It's a problem because it trades with all the four fours even on defense and there's just a little bit more time to set up and do the thing. I agree, it's been an overperformer
1: in sealed. Right. It feels a little less punishing to have it come into play tapped and sealed most of the time.
0: So yeah, I think looking at this pack, there's a lot of reasonable options. I like in Books the best. It might be slightly worse than Mortality Spear, but I don't even know that that's true. And it's just in such a better color pair and also opens you up to playing Prismari. I think if we're starting with Devouring Tendrils and hoping to toe the line between Quandrix and Prismari, Ambarian Books lets us do that. And I think if it's not the best card in the pack, it's close. And I think the other card you could maybe make a case for is Expanded Anatomy, just locking up the first card of that. You know, those colorless lessons, taking them early and highly just gives you time to read which college is actually open, but I'd be on barian books here.
1: I agree. I took barian books. And I think your point about expanded anatomy is sort of maybe a little sprinkling of what we'll talk about later. But yeah, I think anatomy specifically, and obviously environmental sciences as those two top-tier colorless lessons that I'm really I mean, all four of the colorless lessons at the end of the draft, I hope to have that suite of them. Um, but those two specifically I think are really important. So with a tendrils and a baryon books in our pile, we move on to pack one pick three. We do have an environmental sciences in the pack, the two mana lesson that searches up a basic, puts it into your hand gains two life probably nothing else to speak of if that is our our top common but also if we're on this blue green train ben we've got a couple options there's a decisive denial green blue for an instant choose one target creature you control fights target creature you don't control or counter target non-creature spell unless it's controller pays three actually both of those modes quite relevant in this format and a quandrix cultivator one green blue and a green blue hybrid for a three four when it etbs search up a basic forest or basic island put it into play untapped and then shuffle your library.
0: Yeah, this is a tough choice. For me, it comes down to environmental sciences versus Quandrix Cultivator. And I think I would be on environmental sciences. It's really hard because if you take environmental sciences, you're shipping the Decisive Denial and the Quandrix Cultivator and likely putting at least one other person into Quandrix. But there's also a chance that if you take the environmental sciences, you wheel one of the two if there's only other one Quandrix drafter. And then you know with 100% certainty that the Quandrix lane is open. I think Quandrix so frequently wants to splash also that environmental sciences is is really important there, but I I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Quandrix
1: Cultivator. So here's my power rankings of the three top uncommons in Quandrix. I have Quandrix Apprentice number one. I agree. I have Quandrix Cultivator number two and Zamone number three. What do you think about that? I agree. I think that's right. Yeah. So I was thinking like if it's Zamone here... I would take Sciences over it. I feel like Cultivator is good enough. Like it just does everything that deck wants to do. It's such a great body. I don't know, but maybe maybe I'm slightly underrating the Sciences. Having a blue card and a green card and then taking seeing Cultivator here feels so good to me.
0: I agree. And I think this is just like a a great place to stop and talk about the format. So to me, Quandrix Cultivator is like praying that Quandrix is open, right? And you get pretty significantly punished if, because we haven't really seen signals yet, right?
1: I think this, well, so as much as you can see signals in the first few picks, I think Quandrix Cultivator is a card that I am like jumping ship for a lot of the time. You know, I see that pick five, if I'm drafting some other color pair, I'm like, okay, this feels signally to me. Yeah, but not, not at pick
0: three yet, right? Right. So like, it's very possible that Quandrix is getting drafted upstream from you at this point, just maybe not the two people immediately to your right, or maybe there was, you know, some busted rare or something. Sure. Okay. So to me, like it's, it's this decision is like a, do I want to hope Quandrix is open and get punished if it's not, because you, you will get punished if it's not. And then environmental science is the conservative pick, but then you're almost already setting yourself up to potentially abandon ship on Quandrix, which doesn't feel great either but i think your quandrix deck ultimately wants access to environmental sciences that it's fine spending the pick here and shipping the quandrix stuff because if quandrix is open you're going to be golden and you'll especially get info on the wheel i don't know it just feels like if you have to pivot the environmental sciences is going to be way 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 stronger for you. but i agree it's really close and like you're going to be really happy if you take cultivator and quandrix is open you know it's kind of like risk-reward.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you and I are approaching the format maybe slightly differently in that respect. I mean, we haven't talked about this in a bit because we we're so focused on sealed, but like, I'm happy to have that high-risk Quandrix start here. Two pretty darn good removal spells in Tendrils and barian Books, and then one of the top uncommons in the color pair. Great. If Quandrix is open, let's do it. And if not, I'll find the open lane and ditch these, which I recognize as an argument for Sciences, but I feel like you're already just sort of giving up on Quandrix by taking Sciences here a little bit. I agree. That's why I feel like the
0: pick is awkward, and I feel like I have these picks all the time.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what's right. So I I landed on the Cultivator, as I'm sure folks can tell from my argument. Moving on to pack one, pick four. Uh, Here are the options, and they're not great, I would say. We've got another Expanded Anatomy. The best card for the Quandrix deck is Eureka Moment. Two green, blue, instant. Draw two cards. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And for my money, the best card in the pack is Prismari Apprentice, Blue, red for the 2-2 two, two with Magecraft. It's unblockable. If the spell you cast cost five or more, it gets a plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah,
0: I agree that Prismari Apprentice is the best card. It's a little awkward here with what we have at the moment. I think you're thrilled to see this Eureka moment, especially after taking Quandrix Cultivator. I mean, Expanded Anatomy would be nice and all, but you're not taking it over an on-college card at this point.
1: Right. I also think like, this is a little early in, for my money for taking Eureka Moment in Quandrix. This is a card that I'm hoping to like wheel or see a little bit later, like pick seven, pick eight. I would rather take Expanded Anatomy here, but especially having passed, you know, we passed the uncommon decisive denial. So I'm, I'm interested in not sending Quandrix signals as well. So that I grabbed the Eureka Moment here too. Moving on to pack one pick five, some some good news here. We got a lot of good options for green and blue. There's a Witherbloom pledge mage. I do feel like people forget that you can play this in different color pairs than just Witherbloom. Three black green, black green hybrid for the five five with mage craft. You gain a life. Absolute house and sealed. Very, very good in draft still. There's a waterfall aerialist. Three and a blue for the flying. Three one with ward Two serpentine curve three and a blue for the sorcery create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token put x plus one plus one counters on it where x is one plus the total number of instant and sorcery cards you own in exile and in your graveyard and then there's also a kelpie guide two and a blue for the two two creature beast tap untap another target permanent you control or tap to tap target permanent but only if you control eight or more lands
0: yeah i think you're feeling great about seeing kelpie guide here i think it is the best of the blue and green cards like serpentine curve might have a higher ceiling but that's only really going to be in a prismari deck i think so i'm thrilled to see kelpie guide here and thrilled to snap it up i think blue green is the best home for it
1: and yeah blue green is the best home for it and we've already got the two rampers and the cultivator and eureka moment for it to like get to those those eight lands quicker so yeah i like taking kelpie guide here feeling pretty darn good Pack on pick six, kind of a dud. There's not much to speak of. I would say maybe even the best card in the pack, period, is Reckless Amplomancer, one and a green, two, two, and you can pay four and a green to double its power and toughness until end of turn. Is there anything else that jumps out to you here?
0: I mean, spirit summoning is, I mean, this is about the time you'd be okay to take a spirit summoning, but it's not really a signal. I'd be noting the campus guy, but I don't think it's anything we're interested in at the moment. I mean, with the start we've had, I'd be thrilled with Reckless Amplomancer. Two mana, two, two, and it's relevant in the late game, and especially in Quandrix, you know, you can get up to that 10 mana
1: sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So grab that. And then this is the pick that starts the interesting stuff here, Ben. So it feels like people are, I'm sure the folks at home are like, why are we just going through this nuts quandrix draft log here. I'm <laughs> confused what I'm supposed to learn here, but but the learning is about to happen, folks. So here we've got pack one, pick seven, not a blue card to speak of and not a green card to speak of here. Uh, there's a Prismari campus. That's about the only thing that touches these two colors. And then there's there's quite a bit else. I mean I'd say the two best cards in the pack are Silver Quill Pledge Mage, the one white, black, white, black hybrid for the three, one with Magecraft. You can have it gain flying or lifelink until end of turn. Another spirit summoning here, and a spiteful squad as well, a card that I've come up on. Uh two white black for the zero zero death touch, ETBs with two plus, and plus one counters on it. And then when it dies, you dump those counters onto another creature.
0: Yeah, this is danger zone here danger like I've got yeah alarm bells going off in my head i think i would be on silver quill pledge mage over prismari campus because i feel like i am not about the campus life quite so much especially in draft i really want my splashing to happen with environmental sciences and lesson learned rather than the duels and silver quill pledge mage to me i think is a, a great card especially in silver quill or Lorehold aggro And so I think I would take it here and hedge. And if this pack is an aberration, then I would be fine. And I'd move back to drafting Quandrix. But if not, I think I'd really want my first playable in whatever it looks like I might need to jump ship to.
1: Yeah. And I think in my mind here, I was like, there's just so small of a world where we're not Quandrix at the end of this draft. So we'll just take Prismari Campus, which goes in opposition to my Feeling about campuses, and I, I share this with you all listeners, is I don't think you should be taking campuses in Pack One basically ever. I think there's a danger to, you know, it, like let's say this was a Quandrix campus. I feel like people would be like, great, let's snap that up here. And I still think you take Silver Quill Pledge Mage over the campus here because I just want to find my lane. And once I find my lane, I'm going to make playables and then I can grab, I, I'm, I want to end the draft with a campus in my deck. But if that campus isn't absolutely lined up with my base two colors, that's fine. It can just touch one of those two colors and that's okay. And I just want that scryland at some point, but I don't want to be taking them in pack one ever, I think.
0: Yeah, I feel similarly. They're pretty low value for me.
1: Yeah, so I think the pick here is Silverquill Pledge Mates, And I think not taking Pledge Mage here is what's gonna start a, a sort of disastrous chain reaction. But so I did take Prismari Campus at this point. And then Pack One, Pick Eight, Ben. Still no really good blue and green cards to speak of. But there's a humiliate here. White, black, sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an land card from it. That player discards that card. Put a plus, plus one counter on a creature you control. Yeah, that
0: card should not still be in the pack. Pack one, pick eight. There's also an arrogant poet, which is one of the better two drops for silver quill at common. Yeah. Uh, one and a black for the two one. When it attacks, you can pay two life. If you do it, gains flying until end of turn, as well as a rip apart, which is kind of insane the red white sorcery deal three to target creature or planeswalker so getting some serious mardu signals from the last pack and this pack i think i would take humiliate here and continue to feel it out and maybe you
1: abandon ship to silver quill yeah so this i did have the gumption i knew i know humiliate is really good right like if we're talking about those power rankings again i think it's killian one closing statement two and humiliate three And humiliates really, really strong and pick eight is just way too late for it. So I took it here as like, all right, maybe there's a world where we just abandon these first seven picks. And go silver quill, which is a lot easier to think of if that Prismari campus is a silver quill pledge mage. Yes. So then pack one pick nine, I got myself into trouble here, Ben, <laughs> and sort of maybe springboards us into our conversations today about learn lesson. So in this pack that I told you was like jam packed with white cards, it had a guiding voice, it had a study break. Well, that study break is still here. Oh, there's another lore hold card that was in the pack as well. Rip apart is in this pack and has now wield. But I was feeling so attached to blue and green that I was like, well, this is a lesson that I do like. So I'm going to take Mercurial Transformation. This is the one in a blue lesson. We'll talk about this later. Uh, until it of turn, target non permanent, loses all abilities and becomes either a 1-1 or a
0: 4-4. Yeah, the problem is you don't have any learn right now. And if blue and green are really contested, sometimes it's hard to pick up learn. I've I've had some drafts recently where I just have taken lessons pretty aggressively and thought, oh, I'll get some cram sessions or whatever. And I have never gotten the learn card. So I would be on study break here, I think, and be potentially looking to abandon ship to Silver Quill.
1: Yeah. I, I wish I had done that. I think if I had taken Pledge Mage into Humiliate, this is an easy study break and it sets me up to then get Spectre of the Fens next, the 2 3 flyer in black. And then Owlins Shield Mage, pack one, pick 11, three white, black for the 3 3 flyer with Ward pay three life. Yeah. So was there just not a Silver Quill drafter? Uh, there wasn't. No. Uh, pack two is just absolutely nuts. There's like a Sedgemore Witch pick three, there is a Killian oh, pick five. Wow. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, Silver Quill was absolutely the deck for the seat. It smacked us over the head here. And I wish and it all, it all goes back. Like I had, I had the, the inklings of it, right? Not to no pun intended, but I had the, like <laughs> the little feelers out to take that humiliate pack one, pick eight. But it was so hard then to take the study break, but I really still should have taken the study break, I think. Um, but if I had taken that silver quill pledge mage, it was so funny. Cause I was like, after the draft, I was like, was there an off ramp? And then going back and seeing the pledge mage pick over the campus, I was like, oh, that's the clear off ramp. And so I thought it was a really, really good draft, especially in conjunction with the like changing majors episode we did a few weeks ago. I think this is a really, really great example of that kind of draft.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that's true about this format is so many of the decisions you make compact themselves down the road, like making one error in the draft or even making one error in like sequencing lesson learn or grabbing the wrong lesson, like just cascades in the amount of badness that it
1: produces. Down the rest of the draft. It's tough. And That's a technical term. Badness right there. <laughs> All right. So yeah, really, really interesting draft there. Couldn't quite jump ship on the the potentially nuts Quandrix deck and passed up on an even nuttier silver Quill deck. So don't make that mistake at home, listeners. All
0: right. So getting into the main topic today, why are lessons so important? You know, we've we've espoused, you know, lesson and learn is great. Other podcasts have also been championing that narrative because it's true. But if you're not using them responsibly, it can be really tough. Just just grabbing lessons and learn cards without understanding why they're so good and how to make them good in tandem with each other can, I think, lead to some, some suboptimal stuff, I think, actually.
1: For sure. Well, I think it starts with being really difficult to wrap your head around the concept of drafting cards that don't. Actually, make your deck or drafting cards that don't contribute towards the spells in your deck. You know, um, drafting lands in Cube I think is perhaps the most common instance of this, or where limited players first learn this, or will come up against this. That you know, this concept of the more draft picks you end up being able to play, whether that's additional lands in your deck, or whether that's in the case of Strixhaven having access to you know five, six, seven lessons out of your sideboard. That makes your deck that much more powerful, right? Whether that comes from the consistency of the mana base or the abilities attached to some utility lands or the flexibility of a deep lesson board, right? Think about drafting snow lands or spell lands in Kaldheim and how much more powerful that made your decks, right? Whether that opened up being able to activate Icebind pillar in a non-dedicated snow deck or whatever, or whether that opened up you having a few lands that could then in the late game be cracked to do some pretty powerful things. That really added to the power of your deck without actually contributing to the spells in your deck.
0: Yeah. And I think it works similarly with learn, right? Except for first day of class, which is the one that uh, puts a plus one plus one counter on the next creature into the battlefield and gives it haste. And even that one, I think there are rumblings about, you know, maybe this is kind of playable, but the rest of them are all anywhere from good to insanely good. And I think, but that's only true if you really have a diverse suite of lessons to go get, you know, you want to have the modality of, okay, this learn card can be a land through environmental sciences or this learn card can help me punch through attacks in the future with expanded anatomy or this learn card can lead to a creature that I'm going to be able to play on curve down the road and that, Having those options of those different types of effects to get is really important, but you have to make sure you pick up the wide variety of lessons to really ramp up the power of those learn spells.
1: Yeah. Even with the most powerful lessons like Mascot Exhibition at Mythic, or if you're splashing and think maybe I want environmental sciences in my main deck, remember that every learn spell you have is a copy of that lesson main deck. I've gotten this question on Twitter. A fair amount of times, right? Folks asking, like, is it crazy to want a main deck environmental sciences because I'm splashing? And I'm like, you already have three copies of environmental sciences main deck with your three learn spells. Um, You just only draw it when you want to, right? You decide, I'm going to grab sciences, I'm going to grab anatomy, whatever. So it really does get to be this pretty complex toolbox of I have all of these options, which is the best one for the situation I'm in in the game right now.
0: Right. Similarly, you know, environmental sciences, I've gotten questions about decks of isn't this mana base bad? And you have, you know, an environmental sciences in your sideboard. And whatever you're splashing, I don't know, let's say three or four red cards off of one mountain. But in your base two colors, you have six or seven learn cards. All of a sudden, you actually literally have seven or eight red sources off of just that one mountain environmental sciences and six learn cards. It's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, environmental sciences plus, you know, four or five learn cards really does open up a very deep third color splash. It, it makes it a little awkward if you're really relying on that one sciences to then splash multiple colors, like to be a base two color deck and then be splashing two additional colors. That stretches environmental sciences quite a bit because you're relying on it to find two sources essentially, but you can get away with splashing, you know, five, six, seven red cards sometimes in a base blue green deck, just off of that one sciences, if you have the learn stuff to back it up. And we've not really seen that ability before, you know, those would be irresponsible mana bases in the past, but they actually work in this format.
0: All right. So just starting to dive deeply on all of the common lessons, you know, we've, we've alluded to environmental sciences a few times here already, but it's not just for splashing. There's a bunch of different reasons that this is the best common overall in the set and one of the most important ones to pick up early. And it also is worth noting that it does have some diminishing returns later in the draft, right? You shouldn't be first picking this pack three pick one unless you need to splash, right? It's kind of like Skittering Surveyor was in Dominaria where... Yes, they were objectively more powerful cards than Skittering Surveyor because, you know, they had better text, like kill a creature or whatever. But what Skittering Surveyor unlocked for your deck as far as splashing or consistently hitting land drops, you know, which was also very important in Dominaria, similar to Strixhaven. Environmental Sciences does that same thing. And just the fact that all of your learn cards say, go get a land if you need to make a land drop is extraordinarily powerful, right? Because you're going to win more games of limited if you have the ability to go get a land when you need one.
1: Right. This format in particular is so mana hungry because Learn Lesson is built in as this card advantage mechanic that everybody has access to, right? It's not just blue players that get to have draw spells. like Everybody has these cantripping spells, and they're not just cantripping into random cards. They're cantripping into your choice of a lesson, right? So, You want to hit land drops. This was the big thing, right? If if folks remember, I think it was three weeks ago, I was like, I'm not that high on environmental sciences. And Ben was like, you're (laughs) going to change your tune. And I did about three days later. And one of the things that I really understood about it was this card is not just for splashing. So it does a ton of stuff, right? It's colorless, so it keeps you open in the draft. And you know that you want to have access to it. And some folks might be out there saying, well, what if I'm not splashing? Why do I want access to it? Well, because you don't know in early pack one If you are splashing, right? It opens up that potential down the road. You're in Quandrix and you open up a Belladros, boom, you have an environmental sciences, you throw a swamp in your deck, you can cast this bomb dragon now pretty easily. So that's easy to want, not only if you open a bomb later on, but if you're bobbing and weaving, right? You go, I'm towing the line between these two colleges. And if those two colleges overlap, then the sciences may let me just play all of these cards together. It does a lot, but it also does more than that, right? But wait, there's but wait, more. There's more. It ensures you can hit your land drops, which is especially important. And this was the big eye-opener for me with the two mana value learn spells like Hunt for Specimens, Cram Session, Professor of Symbology, and Study Break, right? These, these two drops that are like, okay, I keep this opening hand with two lands and these two drops. Well, if I hit my third land, my professor can go find Inkling Summoning. I'm off to the races. If I don't hit that third land, my professor can find Environmental Sciences and my hand is functional. That's so important. And then even in the late game, you may want to still hit your sixth, seventh, or eighth land drop in your two-color deck. It triggers Magecraft, as do all of them, but it's the only... Two mana value way to do it at common. And it has life gain synergy as well, which is relevant. Like, and and, like yesterday in the open, I was stuck on, I think, five swamps and a biblioplex late in the game in my Witherbloom deck. And then I drew Rise of Exodus and I was like, kill your thing. Hello, environmental sciences, to go find my forest. Like, it's not like, You always have two colors of mana in your two color decks also.
0: Right. And I think the two mana value is an underappreciated aspect of the card. What you said about, you know, just fitting it in to trigger Magecraft for your Quandrix Pledge Mage or to double spell. You know, I think that's one of the other powerful things to do with lessons learned is try to figure out, okay, when am I going to have mana available down the road to cast this? And it's the easiest one to fit into whatever it is that you're doing, especially in the developing portion of the game.
1: Yeah, so like, sure, when you're in pack three, you know your Quandrix, sure, I'm taking Quandrix Cultivator, I'm taking Zimone. I'm taking Mage Duel, I'm taking Baryon Books, I- I'm, I'm unlikely to want to splash. So I'm going to take those top commons, those premium uncommons for my deck over that Environmental Sciences. But pack one, pick one, or you know, early in pack one, we believe that Environmental Sciences is the best common to have the first copy of. Amen. Moving on to the five summonings, which I think are probably the next most powerful,
0: not all of them necessarily, but several of them really stand out. So there's the three heavy hitters which are inkling summoning fractal summoning and elemental summoning and i think there's a bit of a drop off for pest summoning and spirit summoning but
1: those three inkling fractal elemental are very very powerful so the first thing i'm going to jump jump ahead in the show notes here just a little bit is that these are all especially these top three they're all high picks because of the hybrid mana cost and i think the hybrid mana costs in general are, are a bit misunderstood or a Bit undervalued in terms of their flexibility. And even for myself, I think sometimes I don't, you know, fold that into my evaluation of whether or not to pick a card. But the fact that when you take fractal summoning or inkling summoning and that they can go in three different colleges, right? They don't have to just go in Quandrix or Silver Quill, but can also go in the other two colleges that they touch. That's very, very powerful and has a similar flexibility, not quite to environmental sciences, but similar to hashtag delaying the decision when you take a card like that early in the draft.
0: Right. And the format's sort of in my brain right now, and I don't know if this rings true to you or not, but it's split up into either you're a white aggressive deck where you're probably silver quill or your lore hold aggro, or you're some sort of teamer flavor where you're Prismari, Quandrix, or touching those. And then there's like the awkward Wither Bloom thing, you know, just not quite happening. And sometimes you're going to get the Nuts Wither Bloom deck and it's going to be great, but it doesn't share space as easily with those other decks. And yeah. so Inkling Summoning is great. I want to be a white aggressive deck. This is going to be a super high pick and leave me flexible for you know, that style of deck. And then Fractal and Elemental are, okay, this is going to be awesome if I end up in any kind of team or deck. And Fractal even touches Witherbloom as well, and I think is very important to be able to go get in those Witherbloom decks. Agreed.
1: So so talking specifically about these summonings, I'd say Inkling Summoning is what every aggro deck wants curving the two drop learn spells into this is really strong for any deck and and i think maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later but it's important to note multiple times you know there's an idea of you want your lesson board to be redundant or you want your lesson board to be a suite like a toolbox you want that variety and i think the aggressive white decks just want as many copies of inkling summoning as they can get their hands on and you could probably say the same about expanded anatomy as well
0: Yes, I think that's true.
1: Um, but I think the other, I think the teamer decks are a bit more toolboxy.
0: Yeah. And I think, speaking of elemental and fractal, I think for teamer decks, you want the first copy of both of them, I think, before you want a second copy of the other. Because yes. fractal summoning is really powerful, but it's also awkward in that it, eats up all your mana for the turn and elemental sometimes gives you the the flexibility to double spell. You know, if you are on seven or eight mana, the ability to elemental summoning and hold up a negate or something is more important than tapping out for a fractal summoning.
1: Right. It's not until land number seven that the fractal summoning is going to be larger than the elemental summoning. So that has to go into your decision making of which to grab. Like, you have to look ahead a few turns when you're learning early in the game, like, you know, which am I more likely to want to cast? Like, early mid game, elemental summoning is often the one you're going to want to grab. But it's it's weird because maybe then if you have a few plays already in your hand and you can foresee, well, I'm going to get to seven or eight mana, then Fractal Summoning is the thing. But oftentimes, as you said, Elemental Summoning may still be better on turn eight because it lets you do that plus a three drop.
0: Right. And then getting over into the the two less desirables, Spirit Summoning, Pest Summoning, I think you want one of each of those index that can cast them. Again, Spirit Summoning, while not super powerful, just being three mana value and potentially allowing you to double spell can be good. And then Pest Summoning, even outside of Witherbloom, I mean, obviously has synergy applications in Witherbloom, but sometimes in your Quandrix deck, you just want to go grab two Chump Blockers and race in the air or race with
1: large fractals or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, just to touch on Spirit Summoning, I think that can also do a pretty, you know, a bad Inkling Summoning impression on Curve, right? You can play Professor of Symbology into Spirit Summoning, and that is a fine thing for an aggro deck to do. You know, If your 2-drop drew you into a 3-power 3-drop, you're pretty happy about that all the time.
0: Yeah, especially if you weren't going to have a three-mana value play otherwise.
1: Exactly. Look at you with that mana value. Just no stumbling. This Zoomer right here. Okay, moving on to the colorless lessons. I would say Expanded Anatomy is probably second to Environmental Sciences in terms of it being super flexible and the fact that I always want a copy of it, right? agro decks really want multiple copies of this, especially if you have Killian. Holy cow, this costing one mana with Killian is crazy. But honestly, any deck wants this. I can't tell you how many times I just sort of forget it's in my lesson board, I cast something, and then I'm looking through my lessons and I go, oh, this expanded anatomy not only enables an attack for me, but then prevents an attack for my opponent because I now have a 5-6 Vigilance on blocks next turn, right? It really does a lot, even if you're not in those hyper-aggressive white decks.
0: Yeah. And I think it also changes how your opponent has to play if you grab it early, because you might not necessarily intend on firing it off for the next several turns, but your opponent can see it and has to always factor in to all their decision making for the rest of the game is what if my opponent decides to play this expanded anatomy the next turn? And that might incentivize them. Maybe to leave up instant speed interaction or, you know, leave back blockers that they wouldn't have left back otherwise. So just the simple fact that you've gotten it and it's in your hand and your opponent knows about it makes them have to shift how they play the game. I can't tell you the number of times that like it's awkward for me as the defender knowing my opponent has an
1: expanded anatomy and my opponent hasn't even spent mana on it and it's impacting the game. Yeah, it's like a weird thread of activation, but the activation is casting a spell you know about. But yeah, I've definitely had that where I'm like, well, I have to hold up in Books this turn to blow out this expanded anatomy. And then my opponent's like, hey, I'll just cast a couple of creatures instead. And I'm like, no, 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 you were supposed to do, I was supposed to blow you out. What happened?
0: I know it's tough. So really just having it in your hand can choke your opponent on mana and the various decision trees that they have open to them. I think it's really powerful.
1: Yeah, I haven't thought I've definitely experienced that on the other side, but I've never tried to leverage that myself. And you putting that in the show notes made me think, oh, I should, I should start to try and do that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think the next best colorless lesson is actually introduction to prophecy. This one's gone way up for me recently. Oh, wow. Can you talk to me about that? yeah i think it's harder and harder to grab environmental sciences like it used to be like i was assuming i would get an environmental sciences over the course of the draft but i think enough people have hyped it up at this point that there's very real situations where you're unlikely to get an environmental sciences and so i think it's the next best thing as far as you know if you need to hit a land this is the closest you get to you know digging for a land and i think we're going to talk about this about when to grab the various lessons or how to know which lesson to grab but it's tough early right And so introduction to prophecy is something that you can get, you know, when you do that hunt for specimens on turn two, or you do that cram session on turn two, and you don't know what you need, you can just sort of bank the card in introduction to prophecy. And then when you do know more information about, okay, I need to hit a land drop, or I need to find a removal spell, then you can cast it and dig. And I think it's just a nice, flexible one to go get early, especially if you don't end up with an environmental sciences.
1: I think that's true. And the fact that you can just curve into it from those two drops, if you're missing lands, right? Like, as you said, it's like environmental science is light in that way.
0: Yeah. I think it just does a lot of small things well. And mostly it helps mitigate the decision paralysis of, I don't want to get the wrong lesson.
1: Yeah. I'm a little higher on the last colorless lesson here, introduction to annihilation. I think this is one that every deck wants a copy of. Having access to exile removal for any non-land permanent to any deck when they want to draw it. Is Super powerful, right? Not only does it answer the trinkety things like a poet's quill sometimes when you see that, but just being able to say like, oh, you played a bookworm and I'm in, I don't know, whatever color pair, like usually you think of red blue can't deal with big threats like that, right? Red's damage based removal only goes so high. Well, then you just go find your intro to Annihilation and you actually have an answer for that. And because it's like, quote unquote, free for you, the card draw that you provide your opponent isn't that big of a downside, right? Because ideally, you're not firing this off willy nilly, you're really using it for the things that matter. And the other thing that this card does is it gives all your learn cards that clause of remove a blocker to win the game for five mana, right? Your opponent's tapped out or, you know, whatever. They're just not going to make it to next turn to take advantage of the card they draw because they're just going to be dead. And that's really important. So there is a kind of modality to this card as well.
0: Yes, I think I've missed multiple lines where I've had introduction to annihilation and I had lethal if I had just taken a second to think about if I go get introduction to annihilation, what happens here. So if you have that in your lesson board. I would encourage you when you learn to check if getting it can allow you to remove a blocker and push enough damage to swing the game in your favor or to close it out like that turn or very soon after that turn. Absolutely. All right. That takes us on to the more situational lessons, and these are generally more of the uncommons and the rares. But I think even if you only plan to use these situational lessons, you know, whatever it is, five to 10 percent of the time, they're still better than filler type cards for your main deck because you know the ability to have access to artifact or enchantment removal when you need it you know for your opponent's poet's quill is going to allow you to win that game when you otherwise would have lost sometimes when you go get these situational lessons
1: so the first one here is containment breach that's the two in a green destroying an artifact or enchantment if its mana value is two or less you make a pest token this card does what it says right you get it when you need to blow up an artifact or enchantment but that is super valuable Valuable to have access to.
0: I agree completely. And I think, you know, one of the questions I've gotten is should I splash for, you know, off color lessons and then sealed? Like maybe you have an archway commons and you include that to give yourself access to containment breach and sealed. Certainly I'm doing that in sealed in draft. I'm a little less in love with that idea, but you know, it's not crazy, but I think you should not go way out of your way. But if it's a small portion out of your way, it's not the worst to open up.
1: Yeah, I think seal is much more about like, how much of my lesson board can I have access to In draft I think that seemed because there's just so few artifacts and enchantments, I am a little less interested in going out of my way for those 5%, 10% chances. But you know, I think there's there's an, a conversation to be had there. Next up is Mercurial Transformation. This is one in a blue for the Sorcery Lesson, and
0: it can make a creature either a 1-1 Frog or a 4-4 Octopus base power and toughness until end of the turn. And Sorcery Speed, so you'd think it'd be a little bit less exciting, but it actually does quite a bit. I think, you know, after blocks, shrinking your opponent's thing into a 1-1 to maybe put lethal damage on it, or, you know, your Fractals, if you've got a 3-3 Fractal running around and all of a sudden you give it base power and toughness 4-4, turning it into a 7-7, it can play both
1: offense and defense, I think, okay. This card, I think, is criminally underrated. I'm probably now way too high on it. I think (laughs) every time I draft this on stream, I get questions about it. Like, isn't that card bad? And I don't think people are considering the situations. And just like, think about the things that Ben is describing. And also, we haven't talked about the one-two punch with academic dispute. You go single red, this creature has to block. Go find Mercurial Transformation. That creature that has to block is now a one-one, and now it's dead. Like that is a pretty common play pattern in Prismari. Obviously, those are two uncommons, but they're two pretty underrated uncommons. Even Academic Dispute, I don't think people get is basically like one mana Doom Blade at this point. Obviously, that's hyperbolic, but uh, I think Mercurial Transformation—the fact that it has modality—you know—we're thinking about not only are your learn cards modal and they're they're like uber modal, right? When you have five lessons to go. Choose from, that's quite a large modality there, right? We're, we're used to, you know, think about Umbral Juke. Two and a black, you either make a two on flyer or your opponent sacrifices a creature. Well, that's a little overcosted for both of those, right? But we're used to paying a little bit more for a modality of two things. Well, learn lesson is all a bit overcosted, but you're getting a modality of five spells, six spells sometimes from your lesson board, right? That's huge. And then not only Do sometimes those cards have modality themselves like Mercurial Transformation, right? It can do multiple things. Sometimes you grab it and now your 1-1 Fractal is a 5-5 attacking, but sometimes you grab it and now you kill your opponent's creature post-combat. Those situations that come up intro to annihilation you know kills bookworm before bookworm kills you or kills your opponent's creature and now you have a lethal attack like that modality is huge so just really thinking about those choices as adding a ton of value i think is important
0: yeah absolutely sorry my little s- s- soapbox there about that card no, that was great Necrotic Fumes is next up. That's the one black, black. And as an additional cost, you exile a creature you control, usually a pest, and you exile a creature an opponent controls as the text of the card. And I think this is really important to pick up when you have multiple hunt for specimens. And I think it's as close to unconditional removal as you're going to get from a lesson. It's a fairly high pick. I think, you know, you'd still rather have a Mage Hunter's Onslaught than this. But as far as lessons go, this is a
1: pretty premium one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, not So Premium is reduced to memory. One white, white. Uh, exile and on land permanent. Its controller puts a 3-2 spirit token into play. This card's pretty bad. It's just worse than Intro to Annihilation almost every time. Like You'd rather your opponent just drew a random card than had a 3-2. So I'm not that high on this card.
0: Which is funny because I think most people like reduce better than Intro to Annihilation. It's just the sense I get of the general populace.
1: I think there's like a devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Like you're like, well, I know they're getting a 3-2, whereas like intro annihilation is like, it could be anything. It could even be a 3-2. Like, Yeah, intro annihilation is way better than reduced to memory, though. Well, and also if you think about it in the context of the draft, the colorless lesson just gives you so many more options.
0: That and intro to annihilation actually removes a blocker. Right. Reduced to memory doesn't do that because the 3-2 spirit doesn't come into play tapped. That's true, too. Start from scratch is up next. This is the two in a red, destroy target artifact or deal one damage to something. And I think this one is pretty darn good. You want access to this always if you're in a red deck. The dealing one damage clause has come up way more often than I would have expected to. You know, there's cards like Silver Cold Pledge Mage or Needlethorn Drake running around. And then just randomly blowing up a Poet's Quill is also very, very, very good.
1: Yeah, and then I don't think we need to go deep on the rares because they're, they're all pretty situational. You know, other than Mascot Exhibition, which which I think everybody gets is just totally busted and probably the best pack one, pick one in the set. There's like a handful of variations on card draw spells. The blue one is teachings of the archaics. There's illuminate history in red. There's basic conjuration in green to like, you know, dig for a creature spell. And those three I think are just good, but probably worse on average than some of the commons a lot of the time.
0: Yes, I agree. You're only taking them over like true filler cards. So,
1: we talk a lot about you know evaluating these cards, but when are you actually drafting them? I mean, we got a sense in the roundtable of how high Ben's taking environmental sciences, how high he's thinking about taking expanded anatomy, right? Those conversations about you could make an argument for this early. So as you can see, the colorless ones are the ones we rate high. We are valuing very high early in the draft, right?
0: Yeah, I think as we've said, environmental science is the best common to pick early in pack one. Expanded anatomy is not too far behind. Um, and I think ultimately you're hoping to get a copy of each of those lessons by the end of the draft, but you have to balance it out with making playables, right? In the drafts where you start a college and end that college, it's way easier to end up with a bigger lesson suite than the drafts where you have to pivot off of what you started on.
1: Uh, fractal, Elemental, and Inkling Summonings are the best and are super flexible based on their hybrid cost. The first copy of all of these are incredibly high picks at common and probably only competing with Barian Books and heated debate in my mind.
0: Yes, I agree. And I think you're taking barry and heated debate over those most of the time.
1: That's what I'm doing currently. I I think some folks out there who may be high on the white aggro life are taking inkling summoning over those. And I can honestly see that as an argument. I'm not there myself, but it makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. And I think once you're on a path to a college, knowing when to take these gets a little bit harder. So you have to ask yourself, You know, how important is the first copy of this lesson? Most of the time, the answer to that is very important. Yeah. And then, you know, the next one is how important is it to have multiple copies of the lesson? And that one, I think usually the answer is not super important unless you're an aggressive deck and we're talking about expanded anatomy and inkling summoning. Those
1: are the two that I'm most likely to want multiple copies of. Yeah. The next question is how replaceable is the card I'm taking over the lesson, right? Is it is it a premium card for the college? Is it premium removal? Is it, you know, something that's gonna send a signal? Which I think is the next point here, right? By taking this lesson, what signals am I sending with regards to the lane I think I'm supposed to be in? Right. We saw that pick earlier in the draft where I was like, I probably would rather have expanded anatomy in my deck, or the first copy at least. But I want to take Eureka moment here to not send a quandary signal. So I think that is a factor to consider sometimes as well.
0: Yeah. And I think going back to multiple copies of lessons, I also think multiple copies of environmental sciences are good if you're splashing multiple colors. Like I think you want one sciences per color you're splashing.
1: Yeah because as we talked about before right it's easy to go like well this one mountain plus these five learn spells plus environmental sciences allows me to splash you know almost infinite red cards in my blue green deck but once you're also trying to splash a swords to plowshares in this deck and you have to add another planes and then you're forced to choose Which land your one environmental sciences goes to find, that can be awkward because like nine out of 10 times you got to pick the mountain because that's your deep red splash. But that may leave your swords to plowshares high and dry. And that's where the second sciences is so important.
0: Yep. And it's also, you know, we've alluded to this a couple of times. It's really difficult to choose which lesson to go get sometimes. And I think, you know, if you don't immediately need a creature, you know, like summonings are the most default one to go get, right? I need a creature, I go get a summoning. That's not a hard decision. But if you don't need that, or you don't need a removal spell, like you don't need to go get your necrotic fumes or whatever, it's difficult sometimes to decide. And sometimes even when you're deciding between multiple summonings, it gets difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the ones you're talking about are easy, right? You, you learn on turn two, and you go find inkling summoning, or you go find environmental sciences because you know you're gonna want to find a land drop but when you don't have those or let's say you're in prismari and you're learning early with an arcane subtraction you know I, there's a few turns that are gonna pass before I know do I want elemental summoning do I need intro to prophecy here to try and hit land drops like I know I've got lands three and four here but I want to get to five and six so do I need to have intro to prophecy here you know do you have a do you just want to grab start from scratch as like insurance against some stuff it, it's hard to know what to get
0: yeah and I think so what you need to try to do to, to choose correctly is you have to try to anticipate how the game's likely to develop over the next, you know, two, three, four turns to try to grab the right lesson. And, you know, even, even spirit summoning or inkling summoning is not obvious if you also have an expanded anatomy to go get and you have another three drop play in your hand, right? Like you play that Professor of Symbology on turn two, but you've also got a fine three drop to play. Do you go get expanded anatomy or do you go get inkling summoning? I don't know. That's hard. Do you need a flyer? Do you anticipate needing to block an opponent's flyer? Or do you feel like you're the aggressor and want to punch damage through with your expanded anatomy? Or, you know, in best of three, have you not seen a lot of removal from your opponent? So maybe expanded anatomy seems like a better option to go get because they're not going to be able to quote unquote two for one you off of it. I think there's just a lot of small things to
1: consider there. Well, this is something that I think just sort of goes to a broader magic point or a broader magic level up which is and you know your opening hand should paint a picture for you of how you anticipate the game to go right you keep an opener and you sort of know in your head or you have a baseline of this is what turns one through four or one through five are going to look like. And then what the things that are going to change that are going to be, you know, I I plan on curving out, but if my opponent plays blah to block these creatures, then I probably have to go on the defense and that's going to cause, you know, you you should be playing out these permutations from your opener anyway. And then that should inform or in theory can inform which lessons you're going to go grab. You know, I mean, there, and there are defaults, as we said, right? Easy lesson curves of grabbing sciences or intro to prophecy early. Um, if you're racing, grabbing Intro to Annihilation or Expanded Anatomy I think is helpful. Um, if, you, if it's in the late game, grabbing a Fractal Summoning to make a big Fractal or Intro to Prophecy to dig further into your deck for more threats is good. But but there are some like really tough decisions of Am I supposed to grab elemental summoning here or am I supposed to grab, you know, mercurial transformation or whatever? Like those middle of the game decisions, I think, are the hardest for me.
0: I think, yes. I think literally grabbing lessons is the most skill intensive part of the format.
1: I mean, you have it here. Like choosing the wrong one can lose you the game. And I've done that. Like like I said before, I had an aggro deck where I grabbed, you know, I just sort of was like, "Ah, I feel like I've got the threats or whatever. I don't have any removal in my hand. I'm going to grab intro to annihilation here to just be safe. And then I was sitting there with a two, one inkling summoning token that couldn't attack in the air, but it could have, if it had two plus one, plus one counters on it from expanded anatomy. And I have one just like floating in my lesson board that I could have grabbed instead. And that lost me that game, you know?
0: Yeah, it's tough. So like level one is just getting the learn in the lesson, right? Like if you are not doing that, you're leaving win percentage on the table. And then once you know, they're good, then you got to sequence them right and get the right lessons. And that's also going to up your win percentage equity by a fair amount. So to try to make this a little easier, we've got some questions to ask yourself when you're going to grab a lesson that might be helpful, you know, to help you make the correct decision. So first up would be just viewing the game through the lens of quadrant theory and asking yourself, are you developing a head behind or a parody? You know, and if you're developing most commonly, you're going to want to get environmental sciences or a creature. You know, if you're ahead, I want to get something like expanded anatomy to close out the game even faster. If you're behind, you know, maybe you grab that necrotic fumes or maybe you're in desperation mode and you need intro to annihilation to blow up whatever your bomb is, your opponent's bomb is that's killing you.
1: Yeah. How much mana do you anticipate using in the coming turns? If you anticipate being able to slot a two or a three mana value less into your curve, think about grabbing a cheaper one, right? Like an inkling summoning or a spirit summoning or that sciences. This is, again, one of the reasons that sciences is so good, right? It's so cheap. I think it's often difficult to decide between elemental summoning and fractal summoning in those quandrix or prismari decks. And I think you need to be able to anticipate when you'll be casting the spell based on the amount of mana you have available. And, and remembering that inflection point, right? It doesn't, it's not until land number seven that the fractal is bigger than the elemental token. And even then, is that better? Is like the 5-5 five, five better than the 4-4 four, four plus another spell, right? 4-4 four, four plus a two drop or 4-4 four, four plus a three drop if you're thinking about it as a 6-6 six, six fractal. And that's going to probably be dictated on, you know, the makeup of the board. Did your opponent cast an elemental masterpiece? And now they have 2 four fours? So you really do need that 5-5 five, five or 6-6 six, six to outclass them on blocks, that sort of thing.
0: Yep. Next one would be if you're ahead, how can you lose the game? You know, are you likely to lose to an artifact or an enchantment? You know, maybe you need to grab introduction to annihilation. If your opponent racing in the air is their only route to victory, you know, maybe you grab an inkling summoning to be able to block as a flying chump blocker. But just trying to figure out what could give me problems and do I have lessons that could help mitigate that?
1: Yeah, next question is how likely am I to find another learn card in the near future to get a different lesson? I can't tell you how many times I have multiple learn cards in my hand. And I tank on my first lesson. And I, I, and I don't think that's incorrect, but I also find it so funny where I'm like, what to get, what to get, what to get. And then I, you know, tank and then figure out what I'm going to get. And then I look at my hand, I'm like, you have a field trip. <laughs> like next, you're going to learn next turn. This is not like a dire situation. So yeah, if you have multiple learn cards, you know, maybe don't need to sweat it. And, and then I think it, it's easier if you remind yourself like, okay, I just need to pick two or I need to pick the one that I know I'm going to want and then I'll wait a turn. I'll see what my opponent does and then that'll influence what I grab with the next one. But yeah, remember that you're not only learning this one time.
0: Right. So I think if you've got you know, certainly multiple learn cards in hand, I'm generally always erring towards the cheaper lesson to go get first. Right, the more reliable one. Yes, and if you have, you know, even if you only have one learn card in hand, but you have seven or eight learn cards in your deck or whatever, I think you're still always erring towards the cheaper lesson because you know you're going to get you know, other learn cards over the course of the game to go get the more expensive ones.
1: Right. You, you got to take this last point here, Ben.
0: Yeah. I th- if you're, <laughs> last one is if you're behind and none of your lessons do the job, remember that rummaging is an option. So I tweeted a little gif of uh, Mufasa getting whacked on the head uh, from uh, Lion King. I have, for some reason, I finally have internalized it. But for the first three weeks of the format, two weeks of the format, like I just never rummaged ever. And I don't, I don't even think it was the arena interface. I would like to think that I could blame the arena interface, but I just forgot that it was an option.
1: The interface is kind of clear. It like has the big your hand thing on the side. Well, but the first time I tried to
0: do it, I messed it up and I did nothing because I clicked decline <laughs> or whatever because I thought that would get me to another window that would be uh-huh. like, do you want to rummage? And it did sure. not do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just make sure that you remember that that's an option because it's a very powerful part of lesson and learn, I think. So know that you can rummage with your learn stuff if none of your lessons do the job. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And just to wrap things up here before we go, just briefly, we're going to touch on the learn cards in each color and sort of how they line up against the top commons. So in white Combat professor, I think, generally the best common, and I think you're taking combat professor ahead of guiding voice and study break. Mm-hmm. But I think they're probably the next best two most of the time, and then professor of symbology and obviously sparring regimen. The rear are significantly better than combat professor.
1: Yeah, and I mean, maybe we should even fold in talking about the the top summonings. Like, I think inkling summoning is probably better than all of those commons, right?
0: I think combat professor might be better than inkling summoning. Combat professor is insane.
1: It is insane. but They're very, very close, I think, at the very least. Yep. In blue, uh, we've got Barry and Books ahead of Arcane Subtraction and Pop Quiz, but behind The Uncommon, Divide by Zero, and The Rare, Dreamstrix. And I think it's just important to note that, like, All five of the rares, there's one in each color, all five of the rare learn cards are just great and I think are probably just better than any uncommon or common in the set.
0: Yes. Moving on to black, Hunt for Specimens and Poet's Quill are the primo learn cards. And then iTwitch is kind of bringing up the rear, like the black 1-1 flyer that learns when it dies. The fact that you don't get to learn on ETB is a huge downside for this. If it was learn on ETB, it would be great.
1: Yeah, I mean iTwitch is best in an aggressive deck, which is generally Silver Quill, right? And you can have some aggressive Witherbloom decks, but where that chip damage is important and then your opponent like has to deal with it and then you get to draw a card as a bonus, that's great. But otherwise, like the body is just too irrelevant, then you're chumping with it to learn and then it's not really worth a card on the front end anyway. So I'm a little lower on iTwitch than I was early on.
0: Yes, I agree. And I think, you know, you're probably taking Mage Hunter's Onslaught ahead of iTwitch, but
1: not ahead of Hunt for Specimens, I think something like that. That's where I'm at. I think Hunt is the best, you know, mono black card. You know, I think I think Inkling Summoning, again, I would probably take over Hunt for Specimens. I agree. That one's really close for me, though. Uh, red's got a lot. It's got the the worst, right? The, the only quote unquote unplayable at the moment, though I was maybe saying that about Cram Session and I am singing a different tune now. But first day of class, I think you're hoping to not play. Um, but then at Common, you've got Enthusiastic Study, which I think is, you, you know, you're definitely not taking that overheated debate.
0: No, no way.
1: Are you taking academic dispute over heated debate? Yes. Yeah. And Igneous Inspiration for sure and Retriever Phoenix for sure. Yeah. Igneous Inspiration is absurd. I think that's the best uncommon in the set. Like, I get that, like, you know, Rutha and Killian have like super high ceilings, but Inspiration is splashable, flexible. It's great. It is the most deflating card, (laughs) but it's cast against you. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: great. And then moving on to green, we've got Field Trip, Overgrown Arch, and Gnarled Professor. What's the best green common? Is it Mage Duel? I think it is. Yeah. And I think you're taking Mage Duel
1: ahead of both Overgrown Arch and Field Trip. Definitely Arch. Again, Arch is a thing like, you know, a lot of the learn spells, I want them to do the thing and then I learn. And Arch sort of similarly to iTwitch is like, I'll do my thing or I will learn, right? Like you get to have your O4 that gains you life or you get to learn. But Field Trip is like, you get your land and you get to learn. So I definitely think Trip is better than Arch. And I agree that Mage Rule is better than Field Trip, but Field Trip is so good. Field Trip is really good. I agree. Um, and then the hybrid cards, we've got Cram Session and Rise of Extus. And these are both really good, very flexible. And Rise of Extus is just one of, you know I, I don't know where it is. It's basically like for me, in terms of the top commons, and we said this last week, I haven't really shifted. But if we're talking like Science is one, and then you've got Barry and Heated Debate, And then you've got the three summonings. And then I think it's Rise. Does that sound about right to you?
0: Yeah, that sounds like a ballpark thing for sure. And we sort of fell off the rails a little bit with matching the summonings up against the various learn cards. So I think Fractal Summoning is just behind and Books in blue. And I think, honestly, I think I'm taking it ahead of Mage Duel in green. I don't know why I feel that way, but that's kind of
1: how I feel. I agree as well. It's tough though. Like the, the learn lesson removal, being assertive in aggro decks, valuing the hybrid mana costs. Like there's a lot folded into drafting this format. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, not surprised that a lot of people coming off of Kaldheim are like, I'm struggling in this format still even three, four weeks deep. There's just a lot going on even for a quote unquote five color pair set. Yeah. I agree completely.
0: All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels
1: for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. And we're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited.
0: If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, Shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much
1: for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Jesse Jory, that can't be right. Jode is not a name. What did I <laughs> Jesse do? Jory and Jode. Jesse Jory and Jode. What did I do here? Triple uh, J. Jesse J- Jose.